Uh, good evening. Man, I'm glad you guys are here with us. Um, hope you enjoyed your food. I went all out on it. I mean, I slaved in the kitchen for hours on that. And so um, I am really excited you guys are here tonight. Thank you so much for being here. I know it's Sunday nights are, you know, can be tough and getting out of the house and all those kind of things. And it was a beautiful day today too. So it's tough to leave that. Hey, I'm going to pray for us and we're going to just uh, jump right in. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, the gathered uh, family of God this evening, for brothers, for sisters. Um, you brought us together. You have made us um, a family, Lord. And Lord, I ask you tonight to um, give us a vision, give us a picture, give us um, just this beautiful opportunity to kind of walk with you and join you in your mission, Father. And so, Lord, uh, tonight as we open your word and look at a few things and, and pray and discuss a few things, Father, I just ask that, um, that your gospel is real to us tonight and that we are a people who humbly, with childlike faith, um, obey what you've called us to do. Uh, we love you. I promise Jesus' name. Amen. So we're here tonight uh, talking about missional communities, which is kind of a funny word. And so um, we're going to kind of talk about, you know, what a missional community is and why missional communities, kind of the what and the why. First, a brief definition of a missional community. It is a spirit-led family on mission making disciples of their worlds. So you see it's this family, right, that's on a mission together to disciple their worlds together. Because in your, in your little life, you have a world of people, I have a world of people, we all have these different worlds. As we come together, this family, the, the point of a missional community is for us to join together to make disciples of our worlds. You see, family on mission is the default mode of God's church. You, you go all the way back to the Old Testament and the Israelites. That is the default mode. There was a set-apart people that God called his people, set them apart for the purpose of displaying and declaring his glory to a lost world. That was the very first family on mission. And, so, and then God's mission got the church. And the church is to be this family on mission to a lost world. But too many times in the West, we have settled not for a family on mission. We've settled for acquaintances with some chores and responsibilities. And we have suffered because of that. The church has suffered because of that. And the world around us has not seen or heard this clear picture of the gospel. So we have these two things, right? We have, we have family. We have mission. We are to be a family on mission making disciples. So with all of us, we have this huge innate desire to be known, right? Here's how I know this, because the, the two most popular shows on Netflix right now are Friends and The Office. And that is because we go to these worlds where these people are known. And we want to be known in that kind of way. We want to walk in our friend's place and just be known, right? 
And that's because we're made in the image of a triune God, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In perfect community, we are all made in that same image. And then we're adopted into God's family. So there's this innate thing by the Holy Spirit where we know that we're brothers and we are sisters, but we have forgotten how to live as family. But we're not just a family. We've also been given a great purpose, the mission of God. And there's a longing in each and every son and daughter of the king to join him in his mission. And here's what it is. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And you have Holy Spirit-created gifts inside of you. You have Holy Spirit-created passions inside of you that are not being used. And so we go to movies about superheroes see people with great purpose doing great things we do all these things to find this great mission and great purpose while we sit on the sideline here's the problem the world's answer to family and to mission and many times the church's answer to those things is left short because outside the power of the gospel we can never truly be family and never truly be equipped for the mission of god and so you see here, to be a kind of a, a perfect picture of a family on mission, we need a healthy balance of up, of in, and of out. And this kind of up relationship, everything starts in your life, as Luke talked today from John 15, everything starts with followers of Jesus surrendering their entire self, their entire lives to God's call on them. Because here's the truth. We've all been in church for a while. Most of us have been. And if you're in church for a while, you know that people inside your church, listen, our church can be very, very difficult, right? Right? Is that okay to say? That can be very, very difficult. Listen, that's why I tell everybody in our intro class, the first six months you're here, we're the greatest church in the world. We can't do anything wrong. And then you meet somebody else. Get to know them. Because guess what? They're a sinner just like you. The only thing that's going to bond you together in the midst of things that should break us apart is God and his gospel. Is you walking with God and, and being reminded of the grace that's been shown to you over and over and over again lets you show grace to others. And if you think in the church people are difficult, outside the church it's even worse. Because they care nothing about our God and, and many times nothing about you. They're rude, they're apathetic, they care nothing about us. The only thing that can make us want to go on the mission of God is actually walking with God in a deep, deep relationship. Everything we do flows from what God is doing inside of us. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take just a few moments and listen. I know at our tables right now, there's people we don't know, um, and that's okay. Tonight, you're going to get to know them a little bit. And so we're going to take just kind of like five minutes here and answer this one question together. As we think about how we walk with Jesus, if you have been saved and you call yourself a Christian, there should be something to your story. And if, they're not, if there's not, that's okay too. But as a Christian, we should have something to our story where God has changed us, where we have walked closely with him, and that we have this kind of story of something God has done in our lives. So we're going to take five minutes, we're going to answer this question. Describe a time when you have been very close to God. Or the things you were doing that led to your close relationship. Take five minutes and discuss that question at your table. Have fun. Okay, thank you for... Um
for doing that. Um, you know, it's funny how it's interesting how many times it's so hard and awkward for us to talk about the things of God. And that's just an um, interesting and sometimes sad thing. Um, so we think about everything starts with our relationship with God, correct? And, and hopefully as you, you know, talked for a few moments here and you kind of heard some of the people's stories and you almost went back to kind of like these big moments in your life when you're walking with God. And like there was this sense of um, excitement and passion. Um, and you think about it, as we walk with God, there's kind of like three things that are really at play. There's this ongoing kind of prayer of surrender. We're coming to God over and over and over again every single day and giving ourselves over to him. There is this meditating and feasting on God's word where his word is kind of like the playbook for our lives. That was super cheesy. But anyways, um, uh, and third, there's this real sense of ongoing repentance over and over and over again. We're always humble and needing grace. And there's just kind of these pillars of prayer, the word, and repentance that happen over and over and over again. But sadly for us, many times, the church, and even myself, we have kind of defaulted to all we do is talk about these things over and over and over again. We have all kinds of events to simply talk about the things of God. And we do this over and over and over again, and we don't look anything more like Jesus. So we have to see this kind of walk with God. It starts with him, but then it moves down into deeper relationships with people within the body of Christ. And then it moves out into the rest of the world. And so we have to understand that we have moved in and we have been adopted into a family. And listen, you've been in church for a long time, and you probably heard this phrase, adopted into a family, over and over, and now you're numb to it. And I was thinking today, so if you don't know, me and my wife Tracy adopted from China two years ago almost. Um, And that process of adopting was exhausting, and it it cost a lot of money as well. Um, I always tell my daughter, like, you cost $40,000, be quiet. Um, I got the receipt still. I'm just kidding. That's awful. Um, but I think about, um, like, we saw the place where Hattie was abandoned, right? Like we go to China, and the tour guide's like, yeah, that's where she was abandoned. And it just hits you, like, this child that, for some reason, God told Tracy to adopt, not me, um, put it on her heart to move forward with this, um, was completely hopeless, She had no parents. She had no hope. And then God put it on somebody's heart to take a step. And her first step was to tell her husband. And the husband, okay, let's take a step. And a step and a step. And finally, after months of paperwork and begging for money, all these things, um, and the ups and the downs, we finally meet her. And literally, in in a day, like, she becomes our daughter, which is the most surreal thing in the world. And so imagine the scenario. We do all this work to a- adopt Hattie. We go all the way to China. I eat weird food. I don't eat weird food. We do all this stuff. We get her, we bring her home, and we get home and say, Hayes and Connor, here is your new sister. And they're like, nah, we're good. I'm just going to leave her alone. I know she's adopted our family, but not really. I'm going to talk to her once in a while, but she's not really my sister. That would just, that would literally, that would crush me. I'd be done be done forever. It would literally crush me. And you think about the stuff me and Tracy did to adopt Hattie. 
But in light of the cross, it's absolutely nothing, right? And I want you to understand, like, more than paperwork, more than money, you've been adopted and bought and brought into a family. And when we don't live as brothers and sisters, we are saying the cross was not good enough, right? There is something wrong with that. And we in the church, I mean this, myself included, we have forgotten what family looks like, what it looks like to be brothers and sisters in Christ. Russell Moore says this, the church is not a collection of families. The church is a family. We are not family friendly. We are family. But for some reason, we have forgotten this. He says this as well. Our churches too often mirror the loneliness of the outside world. One of my former students who came to Christ after years in a street gang tells me he is happy to give up the violence and the drugs, but says he misses every day the community and the sense of belonging that came, that came with his gang membership. I've heard much the same from those who've come to Christ of everything from, from pornography industry to the Ku Klux Klan. They do not for a minute look longingly back at their former sin, but they have found no comparable sense of camaraderie, of belonging, or of family. What an indictment. Many of us in this room, we are not truly known. Like no one, maybe your spouse does, but no one else really knows you. They don't know your mess. They don't know your fears. They don't know your quirks. They don't know you. And I will tell you, church, it is killing us. We cannot do anything profound for God without the family of God. I desperately need the family of God to support, push, and encourage me every single day. But for some reason, we have forgotten how to live this way. So, discussion time. At your table, describe a time in your life when you were truly known by a group of people. It does not have to be a church group. When you were known by a group of people, what was that like? What was good? What was bad? Five minutes, discuss. Okay. What's interesting um, about uh, even that quote from Russell Moore about the gang member and even other people in different things, um, these, you know, they found this deep community in all these different groups. There was this great thing tying them together, which was a mission, which is a common purpose. And, and I think one of the reasons that we don't have uh, this vibrant community within the church is because um, we're not living for anything bigger than ourselves. Like ourselves are the point, right? And if we're the point, the community is kind of like, you know, I can take it or leave it. But if the mission of God is the point, it's what God is sending and leading us to, then we desperately need a community. You think about um, people who go to war together. Like if, you know, if you're in, in war together, that's a, a bond, a community that doesn't break. Even sports teams, the, they cross racial barriers. Even in, in, in our, you know, our rough history with, with race in America, you know, sports teams were integrated way before the world was. Because when you have this common purpose, all these other things just kind of fall the wayside. But if we're not moving out as a family on mission and living on mission together, even our sense of community, even our need for Jesus suffers because we're not living on mission. Does that make sense? 
Uh, you go on the mission field, you see your need for community. If you go to the mission field, you see your need for the Father. But if we're sitting in our homes all the time, we have no need for either. But as we move on mission, it'll also deepen our community. See, our love for each other, we're this great picture of, of family and love to a watching world. That's what, God, what Jesus says in John 17, right? The world will know your love by how we love each other through being sinned against, through having different uh, political beliefs, different, all kinds of different things that everything is underneath the banner of the family of God. And as we love each other and bear with each other, in spite of all, th- all those things, a watching world sees this set-apart community. But many times uh, the church, the, the, the mission of the church has been to keep the church thing going. Does that make sense? We have spent all our time, all of our time on church events. Alan Hirsch says this, in so many churches, the mission of the church has actually become the maintenance of the institution itself. And, you know, we found this, uh, me and Luke were talking, you know, months ago. Because of different church things, it was tough for us to have time to go reach our neighbors. Well, that makes no sense. Because you think about this, it's not that the church of God has a mission. No, it's the mission of God now has a church. Does that make sense? Like the mission of God is what bursts the church. And so if we're living only for ourselves, we're not living out the purpose of being a church. And so we have to understand as we're this community led by the Holy Spirit, we move out to a, a watching world. But here is the truth. Let's just be, let's just be fully honest. And I kind of mentioned my father this morning um, at, at the closing today about how I just felt this brokenness for him. And here's why. Because me and my father probably talk two, three, four, sometimes five times a week. And um, even as one of your, I'll confess this to you guys, it's never about the things of God. It's not. It's about, you know, sports or his yard or whatever it could be besides really kind of pressing in and asking about his soul. And I think if we're just all just honest in this room, in this, in this gym tonight, it's because most of us either don't really believe or don't really care. That, that we're the point and family members, friends, neighbors, co-workers, spending eternity away from God does not affect us. Charles Spurgeon says this, Oh, that we love souls as Christ loves them. Then should we hunger and thirst after their salvation. Oh, for the tender heart of the weeping Savior, that no soul might go down to hell unsprinkled with our tears. But the problem for us, the church has become a place for us to consume more things. That this thing right here has become a way for us to maybe get a better marriage, to help us have our kids behave better, to maybe find some friendship along the way. That has become the purpose of the Western church while lost souls are going to hell. We have lots of events, lots of good times, but we have no real brokenness for the lost. Church, hear this. You, me, we have great purpose. 
You, me, we've been given great gifts. You, me, we have been given great passions for the things of God. And we are withering away as a church because we refuse to live out the giftings and the callings God has placed us in. And the church at large, the pastors, the leaders have failed the church by not equipping you for the works of ministry. The church is crumbling and the world is falling apart because we refuse to move out. It's become all about us the people. Does that make sense to anybody besides me? All right, good. Let's take five minutes. Discussion. This is our last discussion and we'll be done. Describe a time when you went on a mission trip or did something outside of your comfort zone for God. What was that like? What was good? What was bad? Please discuss. Okay. Uh, thank you all for um, uh, joining in and kind of uh, taking leaps of faith and talking about these things with each other. Um, I hope you see as we kind of talk through this idea of up and in and out and looked at these kind of three spheres of a family on mission, right? What I hope you see is that all of these are interdependent on each other. What I mean by this is so to walk with God, you need others to sharpen you, Correct. And you can't walk with God and not care about the lost, correct? And as we care for the lost and demonstrate the gospel, declare the gospel, what we see is we need a community around us to help us do these things. We also see that we need the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us to the mission of God. And so all of these things, right, this balance of up, of walking with the Father, abiding and remaining with him, and then being a part of a thriving and being known in community and being supported and encouraged and held accountable to things of God. And then moving out together to give the world a picture of God's coming kingdom, right? Think about Revelations. I read this morning, this passage, that he's coming and going to make all things new. Well, the, the church, the community of faith, the family of God should be this display of God's coming kingdom, right? Where things look different. Things should be more joyful. There should be peace in God's community. We should be known in God's community. We should be this picture to a watching world. But all three of these things are dependent on each other. And so, uh, and this is what makes up a missional community. See, the, the default mode of the church is a family on mission. That is what, uh, through the Holy Spirit, we are called to be. But within the West and the church, we have lost sight of, that, of these things. And so for us, missional communities, in a sense, are like training wheels for family on mission. There is nothing magical or even spiritual about a missional community. As me and Luke have sat and prayed for literally a year about what God is leading us to as a church as far as small groups and gathering and being on mission, this, this idea, this phrase, this picture being a missional community is what God has called us to during this season, during this time, so that we can be discipled best and reach our community. So don't hear me saying that like this is the way, all other ways are wrong. That's not true. And so most of you here, including myself, grew up in a small group model, correct? Sunday school model. Um, we were, most of us were saved, discipled, baptized in that model. That's a good model. I don't want to talk anything bad about that model, but that is not this model. 
And so one big difference between a small group and a missional community, you might want to write this down. I want you to hear this. Small groups are typically driven by the concerns and interests and needs of the group. Missional communities are driven by the interests and needs of the lost. Missional communities are driven by the interest and the needs of the lost. So in the past, even with our community groups, we've kind of asked, all right, what night's best for you? How do you want to do this? How do we make you feel comfortable in this thing? Missional communities are about us encouraging each other, equipping each other for the mission of God. They are not about us. That means a few things. Missional communities are not primarily about us and our comfort. They are not primarily about us and our comfort. And here's the thing. That is good news for us. We live in a world where everything is about us and our comfort. And guess what? We still want more comfort, don't we? Missional communities use the Bible as their primary curriculum. Listen, we will every once in a while go through other things, but this is, what, this is my, my prayer, my desire for us to church, is that this Bible, this right here, is literally what we go to for everything. That we don't look for an outside book, an outside study, that we learn as followers of Jesus to understand, interpret, and apply the word of God to our lives. To not just read God's word, but to obey God's word in community. That the Bible is the curriculum for us as a people. Nothing else. That it's good enough. And that if we don't know how to read God's word, we learn how to read God's word. Does that make sense? So if you, if you could not drive, what would you do? You would learn how to drive. If you moved to a different country and you could speak the language, what would you do? You would learn the language. So why is it when we say that we can't understand and read God's word, we just give up? God's word is where life is found. It's where the good news is declared to us. So we must, as a people, as a family on mission, let the word of God guide everything that we do. A missional community's schedule is focused on preparing for and reaching the lost. The schedule, the rhythms of a missional community are about preparing for and reaching the lost. Here's what that means. For most missional communities, and also, newsflash tonight, just to let you know, you're not going to find a ton of details tonight. My, my hope, my prayer, is to give you guys a picture of what a family on mission could look like. And that the Holy Spirit would ignite a desire to really begin to walk in these things. And over the next two or three weeks, we're going to walk through what it actually looks like on the ground to live together as a family on mission. But missional communities, their schedule is not about just us. It's about preparing for and reaching the lost. So that's kind of what a missional community is in just a very kind of 30,000 foot view. So the question is, well, why kind of the transition? Why the move away from a community group or a small group to missional communities? Well, first thing I would say is this right here. Um... This is something I feel like me and Luke have talked about and prayed for for a long time now. And I feel like planting Shreveport Church and kind of sending them off to kind of do their thing has given us another sense of, I guess, clarity and purpose. And we've been reading and praying. And this kind of theme of really sending out the family of God 
to do the work of God. It's kind of been the theme of this past year for, for me and for Luke. And, and, the, and so, you know, the last kind of two weeks of the year after Christmas Eve, I kind of, uh, as best I can, Sabbath, sabbatical, kind of get away to, to try to hear from God, right? And um, I was in a cabin in Broken Bow. I'm very woodsy. And, um, and uh, I'm not. That's, that's what's funny about it. Um, and uh, I was sitting there, and I, I really felt like um, God tell me this. God uh, has sent laborers to our church. Many of you in this room are new to our church, and I, I believe God has sent you guys to be part of our family, and I am so thankful. And that we have spent seven, eight years uh, going through a lot, um, losing founding elders, uh, moving 45 times, uh, financial crisis, uh, having babies, adopting kids, moving again, whatever it might be. Um, and we have done a lot of work to build up Covenant Church, the organization. And it's been good work and the work God has called us to. But I fully believe that we as, as um, an organization, in a sense, as a church, we are settled. Like, we have a good meeting space. Uh, there is money in the church's bank accounts. Um, we have the kids thing kind of figured out for a little bit right now. I don't, I don't want to say that right now because it's going to change. But... Like, there are, there are just good things happening, right? Um, but I had, this, I had this just really deep sense of fear that we as a people would just be okay with that. That we start a church, people come to it, there's good music, there's really good people. We do some good things every once in a while. But the rest of the world, we're just not that concerned with. Like, we're just going to kind of sit here and just kind of be just a, a normal, honestly, church as the West knows it. And um, that really just scares me as we get, in a sense, older as a church and more comfortable. Because here is the truth. Um, if we don't, as pastors, activate and equip the body of Christ for the mission of Christ, for the mission of God, listen, the body will fall apart and die. If you just sit on the sidelines and not use the gifts, the talents, and the passions God has given you, you will wither away and you'll sit up and in two, three months or two, three years and be fully apathetic for the things of God. And the scary part is, in this room right now, that could be where you're at right now. That we have allowed people to sit on the sidelines for so long, not be known for so long, that we have no heart for the things of God. The body of Christ should be this beautiful, living, breathing, creative, kind of weird, very passionate people for the things of God. And many times I'm afraid we're just not. And so my hope, my prayer is that on Sunday mornings we gather and we worship together as a family of God that are missionaries. Does that make sense? That we come in this silly gym and we are so moved because God has moved in our little worlds this week that all we can do is praise this living God. But many times we live apathetics, apathetic on the sideline lives and we come here and want to be moved and entertained by God. And we sit and we sit and we sit. And my prayer for, for me and my family and for you and your family 
is that God would do something different among us. Not because we're special, but because we say we're going to surrender ourselves over to you. We believe that your way is better. That's the first why. Second why. This is a little more normal. This is how we are best discipled as a people. We are best discipled as a family on mission. You know, if you ask the disciples, said, if they came here today and said, Tell, let us show you how we disciple people. You, you come and you sit in a classroom or worship service over and over and over again. That would be so foreign to them. It would make no sense to them how we're discipled that way. Because Jesus said, come and follow me. And they went and they followed Jesus. They had a living example of what it looks like to love God. But many times we just put people in rows and say, come and sit and hear and be entertained. Daniel M. says this, discipling others while being discipled is actually one of the best ways to get discipled. The best way for you to be discipled is to go and make disciples. So Dr. Alan Tuff came up with this 70-20-10 rule. It says this, 70% of our learning comes by doing. 20% comes from some kind of feedback and discussion. 10% comes from sitting and listening. What's interesting is the church has flipped that, haven't we? And we said that most of your time is going to be spent hearing from experts on how to do this. And maybe 10% of the time will actually ask you to go and do something. Well, that model, that way is failing. The body of Christ does not look more like Jesus. We look something different. It's because we're not doing the things of God. We're just sitting and hearing about the things of God most of the time. So not only is this how we believe we're best discipled as a family on mission, the last and most important reason, we have to go to the lost. We have to go to the lost. And here's why. Because my neighbor is not coming on Sundays. My father is not coming on Sundays. The people in your worlds, the parents, the coworker, the friend, the neighbor, they're not just coming anymore. Here is the hope, the prayer, is we don't want to just plant churches. We want to plant you. God has placed you and your family and your little community in a certain place for a certain reason for this time in the world. God has planted you. And we can't imagine the things God could do through that. Through us just living as missionaries in our every single in our every in our every day. So what does that look like? Let's go to 1 Thessalonians. And I am wrapping up, I promise. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. This is a great picture of what this looks like. Chapter 1, verse 2. Paul is saying here, we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. 
and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you, here it comes, became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For not only has, he, has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. The story of God's work in these people's lives spread like wildfire. And it doesn't say through your sermon series this news spread. It doesn't say through your event this news spread. It doesn't say through your very charismatic, great teaching pastor, this news spread. It spread because God changed people's lives. And that is the hope and the prayer for us as a people in this room. That it can look like this people thousands of years ago who were so changed and moved by God, the word of them spread everywhere. And so that's a story from Scripture. Uh, recently, me and Luke uh, listened to a podcast um, of this story of this lady who was changed by a community like this. Christian, will you play that for us real quick? It's a story that just really moved me that I thought would encourage us tonight. Okay. Thank you for being so many of you know my testimony, as it's been my favorite story to tell in the past six months. Um, so how did I get here? Why am I getting baptized? And what has God done in my life? Um, so firstly, looking back, um, it seems like God had maybe been after me from the, uh, my whole life. My Muslim mother and Jewish father hired a loving Christian family to nanny me from when I left the hospital as a newborn till when I was nine. Then they put me into Catholic school from middle school to high school. And when I asked them many years later why they had done that, they responded that they felt like Catholic school would have been a good fit for me. Um, well, neither of them knew firsthand what Catholicism meant or what it entailed. Um, so fast forward many years later, um, I moved through, uh, I, Postmasters. I lived in California. I moved back to New York, um, and I uh, went through a season of intense spiritual searching. I became obsessed with self-help books on spirituality, creative energy, healthy living. Um, I became a devote yoga to the people attending in Williamsburg and spent new, one New Year's Eve meditating into the new year. Um, I fit right into the New Age Brooklyn stereotype, but nonetheless, I was on a quest to find more meaning and truth in my life, and I had thought I had found it. Um, and then, at the end of 2015, a traumatic event happened in my life, and it shifted my perspective and sucked the life out of my, my spirit. Um, sorry. Praise God. <laughs> is off my heart. But sorry. Um, nothing I had uh, practiced or believed in previously could sustain me. Um, I had entered the darkest period of my life. I, I was depressed, suicidal. Um, uh, I found myself on countless occasions on the bathroom floor sobbing for clarity and healing. Um, and just to say I had never witnessed or felt what the darkness was capable of up until that, that point. Um, little did I know that every night on that bathroom floor, God was hearing every word. Um, uh, 
um, the beginning of 2017 to now has been a domino effect of God swooping into my life and taking it over. Um, the beginning of this year, a friend mentioned um, Kate Flanagan, <laughs> my bestie over here, 12 years old. We've known each other. Um, uh, she mentioned, oh, there's this free therapy group I found out about. Um, <laughs> just very casually. <laughs> with a focus on issues I didn't even struggle with. Um, but, uh, and it, ha- it, was ro- it was rooted in a Christian perspective. Um, so I joined, of course, um, and made it clear to my group that they could say God and Jesus, but that I myself was not a believer. Um, these weekly group meetings became my refuge, um, and I quickly learned a lot about Christian faith, and just through observation, Christian fellowship, and something just felt really special. Um, uh, nonetheless, I was still finding myself, um, with a stinging heart. Very poetic. Um, uh, and then one evening, I went, I went out with Kate, and... I told her that despite my best efforts to pray, beg, sob at God for healing, he was nowhere to be found. I was getting really frustrated at this point. It had been two years almost. Um, My friend kindly and patiently, like she'd been doing for close to two years, challenged me with a question. Have you ever surrendered? And from that point on, my life has has changed. That night I went home, I told God I was scared. I asked him not to hurt me. I told him that he had full access to my heart and to my life. I had given up. I said, I I can't do this anymore. Um, And did he show up? And he showed up fast. Um, Two mornings later, I woke up. It was a Saturday. I woke up in my studio apartment where I was living with my, my boyfriend at the time. And I looked around the room, and with complete peace and conviction, I heard a voice tell me, this is no longer your home, and you have to leave. Um, I can't explain that. I had never had a feeling like that. I told my boyfriend. I spent the day with him. He cried. I said, yeah, but tomorrow I leave. Um, (laughs) um, It was just conviction. It was like... Um, I packed a huge luggage, not knowing if I would be gone for a week or for good, but I never went back. Um, uh, that that week, I asked Kate if I could join her church. <laughs> Kate, you're a big part of my story. <laughs> which, which she is. And three weeks later, at morning service, I accepted Christ. Um, and um, just the women in this community came around me, they took me out for brunch, they texted me for weeks, they like just nurtured me um, in a wild way just to give testimony to this church. Um, It was unbelievable. Um, And since becoming a Christian, I just want to share a few things, um, a few of God's promises and gifts that really blew me away from being a non-Christian to a Christian. and the truth that I'm fully loved and that I'm fully worthy. Like, I don't need to vampire off my career, off of others, to receive love, to feel worthiness. Um, the other thing is my will that, like, for me to think that I can have control or power over uh, external things means that I think I'm God. I mean, how, like, okay, I'll give that up. And then lastly, justice, like, 
God will take care of it. I don't need to be angry. I don't need to be vengeful. I don't need to make it like, um, God will take care of it. And it was like the first time I understood freedom. Like, think of freedom. What is freedom? You're forgiven for, I'm forgiven for all my wrongdoing. Justice is being taken care of on my behalf. I can be myself and love others because I'm already loved and worthy. Um, Every burden I could possibly think of um, um, was promised to be lifted off of me. Um, So that's been some of my favorite. The things that move me in that story is two things, really. Uh, As you heard her talking, you heard a community around her that was just with her, that was laughing, that was clapping, that was just full of the joy of the Holy Spirit and a lost daughter had come into the family. You could hear that in that little recording, couldn't you? And second, she kept talking about her friend Kate, her, her best friend since 12 years old. And it just hits me. That everyone, every person in this room, we have those people in our lives. Imagine if we took the mission of God seriously. If we just were transformed in such a way that we lived these things out and spoke of these things that God has done. What stories could we hear in six months, a year, two years, five years, ten years, through the lives of our kids and teenagers? What could God do? Habakkuk 2.14 says this, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let's say the earth may be filled or it could be filled. The earth will be, will be filled with the knowledge of the goodness and the glory of God. Here's the question. Do we want to join him in that work? My prayer for us, my prayer every single night for me, for my family, and for you is that we surrender to the goodness and the joy of following Jesus in his ways. And that because of our surrender, our community could literally be transformed. That is my prayer for us. Let me pray for us. Uh, Dear Lord, thank you for this evening. Um, We pray that your word um, of how you've been good to us. As we see in Ephesians 2, we were far away from you, but God. But God did a work in us gave us a saving faith, brought us into the God's family, created us for good works, that you are doing this work, Father. And Lord, we sit here today as humble, thankful children for our Father. Lord, give us a spirit of surrender. Give us the faith in you to surrender our wills, Father. Let us be made into the image of you so that the body of Christ reflects your goodness to a lost and watching world. And that right now there are people who are far away from you because tonight a group of foolish people surrender to you. Because we surrender to you, there are lost sons and daughters that will see and hear your good news. Lord, do this work and the life of our body. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what's next? What's next for us in this season, in this month? Here's my first ask for you. If you want to write these down, put them in your phone, memorize them, whatever, you, whatever your thing is. Here's the first thing. Say yes and surrender to God and his mission. Like go home, 
pray about this, talk to your spouse about this, talk to yourself about this. Do the work with God to surrender to him and his mission. And if you have questions, I beg of you to email me, call me, text me, Facebook me, Twitter me. Um, That's all I've got. I don't do Instagram. I'm sorry. Um, Please reach out. Second step, try out a missional community. Try out being a part of a family on mission. So the way this is going to work over the next few weeks, um, hopefully, um, and we have some work to do because you're sitting here and like, okay, well, what missional community do I be a part of? How do I actually do this? Um, for some of you, a, a leader is going to reach out hopefully this week to you, and hopefully next Sunday night you are sitting at tables with your missional community, and y'all begin the process of becoming this family of God together. That's the hope and prayer. And for those of you that are kind of new or are on the fringes, um, we're going to reach out this week to you to kind of just see where you're at and what your next step might be. And so hopefully this week you'll be followed up with and given a kind of a next step into a missional community. Listen, there, there's no pressure here. Like, you know, if this is something you're going to kind of like pray about, take your time with, do that. But I would encourage you, try a missional community. Next thing, commit to attending our missional community on-ramp for the next three weeks. The next three weeks, we're going to sit down and do the best we can to walk through the practices of a family on mission. Like, what are the, what are the actual things that a family on mission does day in, day out, week in, week out? What does this thing actually look like? And last, the kind of culmination of this on-ramp is the Super Bowl, that you will be a part of a missional community and a, and, a, and a part. Here's our hope that we throw Super Bowl parties where there are more unchurched people there than churched people there. And so commit to inviting an unchurched person to the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl party. <laughs> That's what I want to ask you to do um, for the glory of God. And, um, um, but the goal here, the picture here is that we walk in this, we're trained as best we can in this, equipped in this, and then we live this thing out and let the lost around us, the unchurched around us, see what a family of God looks like. That is the hope, that is the prayer. If you have any questions at all, um, talk to Luke, and or talk to me too. Um, thank you guys. Help us clean up. You're dismissed.